You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. I know nothing about giraffes. Then listen to these facts about giraffes. 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 Welcome to the Varmints Podcast. Every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. For the next few weeks, our fearless leader, Paul Chomo, will be on a sort of sabbatical from the show. So in the meantime, the IndiePod community stepped in like total bosses, and we have amazing guests for you to listen to. I just want to say I'm completely overwhelmed and grateful for the amount of encouragement, support, and love we've gotten from our community, and so is Paul. So let's get on with the learning about animals bit. I'm Donna, and I am not an animal expert. I'm Stacy from the podcast Rough Giraffe, also not an animal expert, and today we are talking about giraffes. But first, the news. Alright, today um, we're celebrating the birth of the 200th giraffe calf born at the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo right here in Colorado. It's in Colorado Springs. And they are, the baby was born to Muziki, a 20-year-old giraffe. They gave birth to a female calf at around 8.20 p.m. on Monday. This would have been this week. And according to a release from the zoo, the calf needed very little assistance from the zoo and veterinary staff to stand and is now walking well and nursing from Muziki, who was also born at the zoo and has been given birth to four other calves. The calf, whose father is 10-year-old Caleb, is about 5 feet 8 inches tall and weighs about 120 pounds. And the zoo is about 70 miles north of Denver, and they've been breeding giraffes since 1954. And it has 18 in its present herd of 14 females and 4 males, including the newborn. It is its 199th calf, a girl named Ray, was born in 2017, back in April. The nonprofit zoo was founded in 1926, and it ran a fundraising campaign before the calf's birth that allowed the public to suggest potential names. The zoo will now narrow down the list to the three finalists, and the public will be allowed to vote on its favorite name. I kind of feel like it should be called, like, Squidgy or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, oh, baby giraffes are so cute. Yes, they are. They're the cutest little dorks. They're so sweet. Look at their tiny little face. They're stupid little cutie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they're so big. <laughs> I know. I know. They, they're, they what, six foot tall, so I'd be looking up at it, still going, oh, you're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> they can't help it. They are adorable. Just a reminder to go to blazingcariboustudios.com for links to the audio and our show notes for today's episode. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at at Podcast, all one word. And 
at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. I also run a Pinterest board for each animal we talk about, and the link to that will be at the bottom of our show notes. We also now have merchandise. Just put varmints into the search engine at tpublic.com for all kinds of wonderful stuff, and you can get tote bags and mugs and pillows and shirts and just about anything. So go on over there and check it out. Also, if you like the show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast? We are everywhere that podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the very best way to let us grow. So, let's go! Yes! Hey! Hey! Let's go get educated on some animals. I know you wanna. Today we're talking about giraffes. The giraffe, which is, okay, I'm going to try this and it's not going to work necessarily, but we'll try. It's Giraffa camelopardalis. Yeah, that's good (laughs) enough. (laughs) (laughs) It is an even-toed ungulate. That means that they spread their weight on their second and fourth toe, unlike the animals that put their weight on the third toe, like horses and stuff. They are the tallest animal and the largest ruminant in the world. And we've talked about ruminants on the show before. That's when you have to chew your food again, taste it again for the second time. Lots of stomachs. Yes, many, many stomachs. The average adult height of a giraffe is 5.3 meters, which is 17 feet and 4 inches for us uh, Americans. For males, and 4.3 meters, 14 feet and 2 inches for females. On average, they weigh... 830 to 1,200 kilograms, depending on the sex. I didn't do the math on that. It's a lot. They weigh a lot. (laughs) Giraffe longevity is assumed to be plus or minus 25 years in the wild. They don't really know, but we'll talk about that later. Their main defense is to kick with their fore or hind legs, and they can run at speeds of 50 kilometers per hour. That's 35 miles per hour. Like the okapi, they have a blue-colored prehensile tongue, 50 centimeters or 18 inches in length, and the upper lip is prehensile for browsing. They have behaviors that range from solitary to large, loose, and mixed herds. Usually it's the older males that like to hang out on their own. They're known as a fission fusion society, whereby individuals or smaller groups readily merge with or split from the herd. So this social behavior differs from one population to another. And so that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Giraffe females become sexually mature at three or four years. And the males are often restricted by competition from larger bulls. Giraffes breed throughout their life. And they have a gestation period between 453 to 464 days. That's plus or minus 15 (sighs) months to carry that baby. (laughs) They usually have a single calf. They've been known to have a twin on an occasion or two. Females have been recording mating within weeks of giving birth. Offspring are known to stay with their mother until they're 22 months old, but they're often independent much sooner depending on the gender. Mm. They are most almost exclusively browsers, and they eat on tree leaves, fruits, pods, and shoots. They prefer acacia trees across a lot of their range, but their diet can include more than 100 plant species in some populations. Feeding takes up most of the giraffe's day, and they spend up to 75% at first t- certain times of the year browsing. 
um, which can often increase markedly during the dry season compared with the rainy season as the good quality browsing is harder to find and they have to travel farther to satisfy their nutritional needs. They're also active at night, but they feed significantly more during moonlit nights and ruminate more during dark nights. So that oh. is the giraffe. The giraffe. Love the giraffe. it. Giraffe. Cam- <laughs> camel leopardus. A camel and a leopard mixed in one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So the origin of the word giraffe is from the French giraffe, which I can't pronounce, which is also from the Italian giraffa, which hails from a dialectical Arabic word, zirafa, maybe, and maybe the Persian zurnapa is the oldest one. So that all sounds a lot like giraffe to me. What do it, you think? Uh, it's all, it all sounds like giraffe, yeah. Why don't you call a giraffe a giraffe? <laughs> Just call it a giraffe because that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, let's talk about the most recent discovery of giraffes, which is that they used to be thought to be one species, but they are now recognized to be more than one species. The latest study on their DNA suggests that there are four groups of giraffes that have not crossbred or exchanged genetic material for millions of years. Wow. This is a clear indication that they have evolved into distinct species. Wow. Yeah, you should look at this study. The study is published in the Journal of Current Biology and has rewritten the biology of Earth's tallest animal. So that means every textbook on the planet now needs to be (laughs) edited in a section about (laughs) giraffes. (laughs) (laughs) Conservation was the catalyst for this genetic research, and the Giraffe Conservation Foundation, which I'll put a link to in our show notes, asked the team to carry out genetic analysis of giraffes in Namibia. What they wanted to understand was that the genetic was the genetic differences between different giraffe populations. So they just started out to kind of get a handle on what their genetics are like because they don't really know. Yeah. And to see how it might be affected if different subspecies were mixed together when the animals are moved into protected areas. But what they found, the geneticists in charge of the study said, was that the subspecies were genetically very different and separate. And he said, I've never seen that in a population study of species before. Like, never. (laughs) This is a PhD doctor who works at uh, the, I'll try it, Senkenberg Biodiversity and Climate Research Center. And a PhD is somebody with a lot of experience. Yes, yeah. um, So this has to be quite a surprise. The initial study examined what's known as mitochondrial DNA. That's the packet of DNA within every cell's little engine. And this is passed down from your mom. This is useful in population genetics, and it can easily be isolated and contains lots of known variants that can track relatedness really easily. So, But this DNA is not part of the code that builds the animal. So Dr. Yanka, which is, I think is his name, decided to examine and compare the parts of the code, the nuclear DNA, and it turned out that the whole clade of northern giraffes was very different from the reticulated giraffes, and his findings have indicated four separate species. They include the southern giraffe, giraffa giraffa, the Maasai giraffe, (laughs) giraffa tipulskirchi, I don't know if that's right, the reticulated giraffe, giraffe reticulata, and the northern giraffe, giraffe camel lepardus, which includes the Nubian giraffe, and distinct but related subspecies. So since they were always thought to be one species, the doctor in charge of the study 
said that we should think of it in terms of like a polar bear compared with a brown bear. Wow. That's a lot different. That's a lot of difference. That's a huge amount of difference. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing that we're still making those sort of discoveries now. You know, we should have worked that one out like 100 years ago. Yeah. I think the problem is that without DNA, it's kind of hard to... It's, yeah. it's hard to do your taxonomy correctly, and that's being rewritten all the time. If you look at the stuff that I was studying in school and high school, it was all that kingdom phylum, you know. Mm. That's basic, basically still true, but when you get down underneath the major groups, then you're, you you start going, what, what? <laughs> and they have put things like, what? I think I remember reading like elephants and whales are the most closely related. <laughs> like, they're more closely related to to each other than they are to other things within there that you would think they would be closely related to. Like you would think elephants and rhinos would be related in some yeah, way. Yeah. Or hippos. But they're not. They're not at all related. <laughs> so that's why taxonomy is weird. Yes. But let's move on to our next topic. Let's talk about what are you talking about? Well, I want to talk about the draft's amazing cardiovascular system. Do it! Of course. <laughs> of course, you know, people may not know this, but I am a, a doctor, so I have to get a little bit of medical business in here. Well, this okay. does qualify as an adaptation, so do it! <laughs> yeah. So. I don't know about you, but sometimes I stand up too quickly and get a bit dizzy because the blood hasn't quite reached my head in time. And uh, I'm only five foot four. So imagine being a 20 foot giraffe, having a drink of water right down there and then having to lift your head up high. Yeah, why aren't they staggering around all the time? (laughs) Yeah, why don't they sort of all like woozy headed? Well... They have extremely high blood pressure and depending on which part of their body you measure it in, it can be from two times as high as a human's to five times as high as a human's blood pressure. Wow. And that's just so that they can pump all of the blood all the way up that very, very long neck to their head. Wow. Okay. I never even thought about that. Now, if they had normal blood vessels like we do, then that high blood pressure would basically force the blood, I know this sounds a bit gross, but force the blood out of their blood vessels because it's such high pressure. So they have to have really thick blood vessels so that the blood doesn't all leak out and gets all the way all the way up to their head. Okay. Right. But then, so... That's fine going 20 foot up, but then when it wants a drink, it brings its head right down to the ground. That blood pressure, that that close to the ground, would basically make all the blood pool into their head. So, why doesn't it? Yeah. Well, they have valves in some of their blood vessels which basically stop the blood going down when they put their head down. So, they're but like one-way valves, so like swing doors kind of, but... You know, blood can go uh-huh. one way, but not the other. Oh, and that's yeah. really brilliant. <laughs> yeah, and they've also got this mesh of capillaries. They're really, really tiny little blood vessels. And they can store the blood there when they bend down. So then when they get up, it's it's already up in their head where they need it. It didn't rush, you know, 
It's not like swishing from one end of their head down to their neck and back again. Right, they just keep it in place. Wow. Yeah. And they also have sort of like cartilage, so tight, fibrous tissues around their legs. Right. Which which act a bit like compression stockings. You know, when you've got mm-hmm. varicose veins or you're on a long flight, you wear these compression stockings. So these, this cartilage around their legs acts like that so that it keeps pumping blood up out of their feet and, and where it needs to go. Otherwise, they would just pull the blood around their legs. So they, they're basically wearing compression stockings. It's very good. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> that's amazing. And they have a massive heart in order to be able to pump this blood all the way around. Their heart is two foot long. Wow. And weighs about 11 kilograms or 25 pounds just to make sure it pushes this blood where it needs to go. That's incredible. I was just sitting there measuring, like, I think I could just fit it on my desk, but I'd have to move some things. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know whether I'd be able to carry it. Yeah. Can you imagine? Imagine this massive heart. But, But, yeah, I think it's incredible that their body is adapted that way to be able to get the blood where it needs to be and, you know. Well, I suppose over millions of years it makes sense, but it's still... Wow, really incredible. And I never even thought about that. It never even occurred to me. And it should have because I'm a person with perpetually low blood pressure. So I experience that wobble all the time. So the, huh. the, in, the interesting thing is despite the fact that they have such high blood pressure, they don't have any ill effects from it. So when a person, a human has high blood pressure, they have the symptoms of hypertension. So that's high blood pressure and they have to take tablets to bring that down. But giraffes, for some reason, they can do really well with this high blood pressure without any of the ill effects that we would suffer as humans. That is incredible. Wow, Mm. giraffes are amazing. They are. Disclaimer time. The Farmers Podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then, Donna and Paul only have the yardstick of themselves, so... They're going to do it anyway. All right, so what do you think, giraffes on a scale of 1 to 10? I'm going to give them kind of a 4 or a 5. I think it's difficult when you're, in, when you're in the wild to know how intelligent something is because it doesn't have to jump through hoops. It doesn't have to come and, you know, when you call its name, it doesn't have to come. You don't have to sort of clicker train it just goes about its business but I was looking at an article online which I know you'll put the link into the show notes but they were saying that in the zoo they can clicker train them yes they can they can respond to their name they'll know when it's meal time and that to me says they're not you know they're a bit like rabbits I suppose you can do that to rabbits but <laughs> when you've got a pet rabbit so I'd say four or five I I don't think that necessarily means they're intelligent yes I don't either I feel like training isn't the whole picture trainability seems like a a feature of possible intelligence but problem solving is going to be the thing that is the real sort of bar where you look for the differences and I just feel like they're probably not they don't 
their job is to be a food animal for other animals and, and to make baby giraffes. Yeah. So they're supposed to run away from the things that are trying to eat them, which is mostly lions. Yeah. And get a, and avoid being eaten by lions and then eat enough food to be healthy and reproduce babies that can reproduce babies. So that doesn't seem like exactly. a condition that demands a whole bunch of intelligence. So No. I mean, the thing is, although lions are the main predators... You know, they're so big, it takes a whole, like, pride of the lions to take them down. So exactly, it doesn't, yeah. That You know, it doesn't happen that often. So giraffes haven't had to work out how to avoid that necessarily. They've just got taller. They can look out and see around them. Yeah. That's it. Evolution has solved their problems for them. Pretty much. And they're, I mean, they are in a slow, a million-year war with the acacia tree. But... <laughs> Because the acacias develop new thorns and apparently they send out chemical signals as to when giraffes are browsing in the area. So the trees will sort of turn on their bitter taste or whatever. Yeah, the tannins in the the leaves. It's, um, yeah, but... I think the trees sound more intelligent than the giraffes, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, for real, for real. But the giraffes have, have I mean, for their part in the war, they, they go, well, fine, we'll just evolve tougher tongues that don't taste stuff as much, you know? So it's a... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a million-year war that's just a very slow, slow thing, but it is evolution solving the problem for them. You're right. So, yeah, I'm going to say probably four or five because they can be clicker trained and all of that, so... You know, yeah, yeah, they're just so big and gangly. I don't know what how you would. <laughs> I don't know how you would even test that. But they don't need to be intelligent, do they? No, I they mean... don't. They don't need to, and it doesn't matter because they're wonderful no matter what. Exactly. Okay, well, we're gonna go and have a commercial, so we'll be right back. Hey, everyone! This is Tove, host of Gravity Beard a podcast featuring interviews and discussions on a wide range of topics. In each episode, I'll either interview a special guest or we'll convene our typical Algonquin roundtable of brilliant minds. Occasionally, we'll even be joined by the host of one of your other favorite podcasts. Then every other week, my buddy Adam stops by for an installment of This Week Today. Whatever we do each week, we promise you'll be entertained. You can find Gravity Beard on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else quality podcasts are sold. And you can always find us and other indie pods in the Underdog Podcast community on Facebook. We're also a member of the Podfix Network. Come check us out. Gravity Beard. It's what your ears will want to be listening to. Hey there, everyone. Paul and Donna are a couple of nerds just like you. And they don't get to see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk about where we all see them most of the time. On movies, TV, comic books, toys and video games. Alright, Stacey, what you got for pop culture this week? I have Melman the Giraffe from Madagascar. Yeah, Madagascar. <laughs> <laughs> so, Melman is a reticulated giraffe who is a character in the Madagascar uh, movies. Right. And he's voiced by David Schwimmer. Ah, yes, I forgot about that. Yeah. So, Melman is... A hypochondriac, I suppose you would call him. 
Right. He's uh, always thinks that he's unwell. He's always wanting medications and investigations. I think uh, at one point he was worried about the spots on his body, and <laughs> he's a giraffe. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's hilarious, though. He's so funny. I love that giraffe. We're going to listen to a little clip here as he's trying to make some fire. How's the Liberty Fire going, Melman? Great. Idiot. I heard that. Uh, why can't we just borrow some of Marty's fire? That's wildfire. We're not using wildfire on Lady Liberty. Now rub, Melman. I've been doing I can't. I can't. I can't do it. I just... I can't... Do it! <laughs> Fire! 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 <laughs> uh, Fire! <laughs> you know, I haven't seen that movie for a long, long time. I should probably look at it again because it's been a while. It was an awfully funny film. They um, they show it a lot here, usually around Christmas time. So I have probably seen it within the last year, I'm sure. Huh. I, I, I haven't seen any of the others, though. I think there are two or three other Madagascar films of after after the first one and apparently right. in in the second film melman who is like this big hypochondriac with lots of phobias and doesn't like germs he becomes a witch doctor for all the other animals and heals the other animals which i think is hilarious that is really funny huh i'll have to check it out yeah all right well i'm going to talk about briefly this little video game that i found <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's called giraffe got game <laughs> and I got to play this game a little bit. I had to download Flash to do it, which was sort of annoying. But uh, it's a Flash game, and it was developed by some people for Axe Body Spray as a some sort of promotion for them. And okay, <laughs> it's a giraffe. It's a little giraffe guy, and you have you have this sort of I don't this you shoot all your bolts, killer bolts and laser beams and stuff out of this sort of dot on your chest. It <laughs> sort of looks like, if you remember laser tag, way back in the day you had that yeah, that, yeah. that sensor on your chest. It looks a little bit like that, little, except it shoots, it doesn't sense. So, But the giraffe can, it shoots at penguins and other little things that come off the screen. It, it, it <laughs> come out. Why is it with penguins? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But you can get different hats as an upgrade and you get different sorts of lasers that shoot out of your chest and stuff. And it is so incredibly bizarre. Okay, we're going to listen to a guy called Sir Tap Tap playing this game a little bit. And he's really funny. You should check out his channel on YouTube because he plays little flash games and stuff and he talks his way through them and he's very very funny his videos are probably rated pg i would say so make sure that you are supervising your little kids while they are watching this or watch it first to make sure that they're allowed to watch it but here's a little bit of that video 
This is Sir TapTab, and welcome to the best Flash game of all time, Giraffe Got Game. <laughs> it was pretty recently submitted on Newgrounds. It's apparently brought to you by Axe and some people. And we are a frickin' giraffe, and we're pointing some penguins. Or poning some penguins, depending on your preference. We also have a menu screen. And we have a frickin' epic top hat. Because we are a giraffe. <laughs> Strike a pose. Wave complete. We have upgrades. Defense up. Speed. Oh, I'm out of monies. Upgrades make your stuff better. Everyone always wants them. Everyone always wants tons of upgrades for random crap. Excellent. We got a new hat. Kid hat. Yes. Rocket giraffe. He's rocking that hat. Yes. Balloons. Ow. You can't turn while your head is down. Because that would be silly. That would be silly in a world where giraffes shoot penguins with chest lasers. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought he was funny saying, the greatest Flash game of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, that's what the advertising program said, was this is <laughs> the greatest Flash game of all time. That sounds hilarious. <laughs> it's very silly. <laughs> I don't know if you can play Flash games on your phone. I suppose you probably could on Android, right? I don't think iTunes. Possibly. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's a bit of an old-fashioned thing now, isn't it? Seems like, because everything's supposed to be HTML5 now, but I don't know why people are still developing in Flash, but they are, apparently. So, there you go. Alright, that's Giraffe Got Game. They definitely got game. Giraffes do got game, because <laughs> they're pretty awesome. Uh, so, hey, are you going to eat that? So, would you eat a giraffe? Yeah, so so if if I didn't have to worry about them being endangered, I would eat one. If someone put a big, massive giraffe steak in front of me, then, yeah, I'd try and get through it. Yeah. But, you know, it's a little frowned upon if you start chowing down on such animals, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's probably not a good idea. I just keep imagining this giant leg. Like giraffe leg. Yeah. I was thinking that I was I wouldn't be interested, and then I thought, because I like the turkey leg and the chicken leg, <laughs> that's always my favorite piece out of the bird, no matter what it is. So, But I yeah. know they're not birds, but they have these big long legs that... Yeah, it just looks so juicy. It looks like it could just... Oh, it would be so tasty. Yeah, it probably would be. So, yeah, I think I'll be with you. I, they're in the food box only if they're not endangered. And, and Yes. Yeah. So... Yeah, but otherwise, you know, nah, I don't think so. Oh no, no, not if, not if you know, it's going to cause any problems. Yeah, but, but theoretically, theoretically, yes, yum. yes, <laughs> I would get, I would get, I would get that ten foot leg on a spit roast, <laughs> little mint sauce on the side, you know. Oh my, I would feed the street with that leg. <laughs> Can you imagine the barbecue? Everybody on the street would have to pull their barbecues up and line them all up. 
<laughs> they were like, oh, what are we doing? I'm like, giraffe. <laughs> um, okay. Hey, Bob. <laughs> Ten feet down. You need to you need to base to the upper part there. <laughs> Got it. Base the hoof. All righty. <laughs> Well, hello, Paula Donna. I've been meaning to ask you, is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Well, let's help you win that next trivia night, or just sound smarter than the rest of the room, with the Animal Fact of the Week. Back to you, amigos. All right, so let's hear some extra animal facts for everybody. Okay. Donna, can you imagine being able to recognise your family just by their fingerprints? No. <laughs> no, it's impossible. Yeah. It's like, it would never happen. Yeah. Giraffes, although they all look the same to your eye, they are all completely unique. All of their spot patterns are unique to every single giraffe. And as we said before, there were four species of giraffe with a number of subspecies. And each of them have completely different patterns within their species or subspecies. And uh, the reticulated giraffes are the ones that we see most in the zoo. So they're the ones with the big, like, orange, brownie patches, spots. Right. So they're the common ones. But the spots are different for each species depending on whereabouts in Africa they live and what vegetation is around them. So you've got different patterns depending on sort of what if they've got tall grass or trees that they've got to hide in what's really gonna i suppose dapple on their skin because that's really what their their spots are for so the Maasai giraffes uh, have almost black spots and they look like vine leaves right sort of patched on them and there are some giraffes who live in the desert really sandy conditions and they're very pale almost yellow but each individual giraffe then itself has a unique pattern and its herd can recognize the giraffes within its herd so so you can rec if you were a giraffe you'd be able to recognize someone in your herd just by their pattern it's crazy that is crazy yeah all right well how many giraffes do you think there are and do you think they're endangered i mean we've already said that they are but would you have thought before we started our research, what what would you have thought? No, there's, I mean, they're everywhere. There's millions of them. Yeah. Well, in the 1980s, the number of giraffe in all of Africa was estimated at approximately 100,000 or 155,000 individuals. That's not many. And the no. IUCN... And the Giraffe and Okapi Specialist Group estimate that the current population is less than 100,000 individuals. Ugh. Yeah. And in That's not good. Yeah. In some areas, this is a drop of almost 40%. And overall, it's I know the number doesn't, doesn't, the estimate isn't enough. I mean, it doesn't, 155,000 doesn't seem that different from 100,000. But they're talking about the overall population over the years. They think that the numbers have dropped more than 95% in some areas. And wow. there are seven African countries where they have gone extinct. They've lost all of their giraffes. So 
they are under a lot of pressure from mostly just human habit, just humans taking over their habitat. And then that means habitat loss where people are building cities and stuff, but it also means fragmentation, degradation, which means that we may not be living on their habitat, but we are polluting it in some way or changing it in some way just by virtue of being nearby. That's what that means. And they're, they're also subject to poaching, which I was like, what? Poaching? Why? Why would they? Why? And of course, it's, it's Asian traditional medicine, which needs to stop. While recent research has shown that there are in fact four giraffe species and not only one, the IUCN currently still recognizes them as one species when it comes to counting them. And uh, hopefully they'll, they'll update that soon. But yeah. it's been so That's... recently that they just don't know, right? So Yeah. The, the trouble with that is, you know, once you then have four species, you've got huge drops in numbers of those species. That's right. That's right. That's why That's the numbers the are so confusing to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you've suddenly got, you know, just a couple of hundred of one of them, and that is then critically endangered. Right. That's right. The Rothschild's giraffe, the subspecies, seems to be the one that we need to be the most concerned about right now. So I don't know how yeah. many there are, but it's not very many. So we don't really know how long giraffes in the wild can live for real. We're guessing based on evidence from zoos. They can live longer than 25 years, and we know they can live about 25 years in the wild, but there's just not a lot of data. So mm. that's one of the things that they're studying in northwest Namibia. They're trying to count ages and stuff. And, of course, that, that takes a while because you have to be there to observe, <laughs> yeah. first of all. <laughs> and then you have to find ways to identify the age of giraffes, which is tricky. Very tricky. You might. How would you tell how old a giraffe is? Count its rings <laughs> like a tree. <laughs> I I know that their spots get darker as they get older, but then how, what are you comparing that to? Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's it's a difficult thing to say. Oh, that one's got darker spots. It must be older. Yes, it doesn't. It still doesn't tell you exactly how old it is. Right. Another thing they recently found out is that giraffes get most of their water from the leaves that they eat. They do drink at water holes, but it isn't where they get most of it. The vast majority of it comes from leaves that they eat. And they never knew that until very recently. <laughs> uh, so it's just, there's just several things that we don't really understand. They make noises at night that we don't know what that's about. Yeah, yeah I, I read that... Uh, Scientists thought, uh, researchers thought that they were mute until very recently mm -hmm. because, because they didn't make noises. And then they started, they they managed to record them in captivity, making noises at night. Right. So, Which they never knew about. Can you believe, how long have we had giraffes in captivity and we never knew that they made noises at night? Because the ecologists don't stay there. Overnight. No, no. But they could just set up a recorder. I mean, you know. They could, but I don't think it ever occurred to them. That's that's the deal. They just they just thought giraffes don't make noises. What's the point? Yeah. Well, I mean, it just never occurred to anybody that they should set up a recorder <laughs> to see what they were doing at night. So, yeah, they did. Well, they're not sleeping. No. Because giraffes, giraffes hardly sleep at all. So if they're not... Giraffes sleep, like... 
20 minutes, half an hour a day? Yeah, they rest standing up. Sometimes they lie down, they fold their legs under their body but they and they keep their necks high, but they don't really know. They're just ruminating when they're doing that. They're not necessarily sleeping, so... But they, they sleep for no more than five minutes at a time, I guess. <laughs> Ugh, they must be exhausted. <laughs> Research in zoos has shown when they put their when they sleep, they put their head resting on the back of their rump. And they do it only for about five minutes and they go into REM sleep when they're in that position. Zoos have found out. Oh. So Yeah, they just sleep a little bit at a time. They they take they're the kings of the power nap. <laughs> <laughs> I thought cats were good at that, but giraffes beat them hands down. Yeah, apparently so. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that is the end of our show. So we're going to go ahead and thank Matthew Chomo for technical support. Our bed music is by Kevin McLeod, local talent with Carrie McGinnis, Chris Brayton, Joss Hallmark, Chris the Toaf Green, and by you, the Patreon supporter. Special thanks to this week's guest host, Stacy from Rough Draft Podcast. Before we go, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your show and where to find you? Thank you. So uh, Rough Giraffe is a comedy podcast. It's comedy bronze. <laughs> it's comedy bronze. It is indeed. Uh, with myself, my mum, and Kipper the Wonky Cat, and it's just like, you know, 30 to 40 minutes of nonsense, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> and Owen, don't forget Owen. No, we'll forget Owen. <laughs> <laughs> the clip that we played at the beginning of the show is a bumper that you used to use in the Rough Draft podcast in season one. And I encourage everybody to go and get it. So where are they going to go and get it? So you can find us on iTunes, Podbean and spotify and wherever you get your podcasts from and you can find us on twitter at rough giraffe pod instagram at rough giraffe podcast and we have a facebook page wonderful thank you so much for being here let's go ahead and talk about our rugrat corner it's the rugrat corner if you have a rugrat eight years of age or younger that wants to be on the podcast send us a message on facebook or email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for details we make it super easy for your rugrats to hear their voice on the podcast yep now we're going to listen to a little sound clip this is ashlyn which is Ashlyn is the child of Moms and Murders, Melissa, and we love Ashlyn. Hi, Paul. Hi, Donna. Hi, listeners. I'm Ashlyn. Here's some interesting facts about giraffes. Did you know giraffes weigh about 1,800 pounds? In a giraffe's 6 foot 1.8 meter neck weighs about 600 pounds. A giraffe can be 13 to 20 feet tall. A giraffe can live 20 to 36 years. A giraffe's habitat is usually found in African savannas, grasslands, or woodlands. What do giraffes eat, you may ask? Well, they eat leaves, bushes, and especially trees. A fact I like about giraffes is how tall they are. They're, like, taller than our house and... Way, 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 way taller than the house. Like, really, really, really tall. Like, <laughs> like, 13 to 20 feet. Feet. 13 to 20 feet. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Lamments. 
Oh, thank you, Ashlyn. That was the best show. Oh. oh, that was that was amazing. She is going to be a wildlife presenter, definitely. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like one day we're going to see her. When I'm in the retirement home, I'm going to be watching uh, Animal Planet <laughs> with Ashlyn. <laughs> okay, that was great. Let's thank Stacy for being here, and we miss you, Paul. Till we see you all next time. Be nice to animals. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios.